0: Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with the Virgin professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the Sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now we're here to make you laugh make you think and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life
1: i'm laura and i love a good assessment self-assessment that is or self-induced anxiety attack debating what i should have done could do better and should do next that's the same thing as self-assessment right Is there a difference? Am I
0: doing this right? I'm Jen and my brain is wired for constant assessment. It makes me a really fun side seat driver. We've dreamed a dream, done some planning, collected a team of dreamers and drivers, and ideally we have even taken a few steps into the execution process. Now it's time to talk about assessment and not because we're finished. Assessment is an ongoing process of making sure we're on the right track and even changing tracks when needed. In this episode, we want to talk about the particulars of assessments when it comes to dreams. What's different about a dream than a project? And how do we know if it's working? Let's talk about it.
1: Jen, we have set up our dreams at this point. So we have we've made the room to dream. We've envisioned the room. That we're putting together to do our dreaming in, and we've assembled our team of people to dream with. So, all the groundwork's in place. We are off dreaming away. And because you just can't avoid the topic, I think today what we need to talk about is how do we assess our progress and work while we're trying to achieve a dream? And how is that different than assessing? the day-to-day work and projects. So are you in for some assessment? This is my jam, I'm all about assessing it.
0: I am, I am also about assessment and I do have that constant assessment brain, but I also feel like I need to offer a moment of honesty and reality check, which is that you and I um, talked about doing this series toward the start of the year. Knowing that we were both thinking about, you know, what are the dreams that we have and where are we going with this, and it makes me really nervous at this point because we're recording this at, um, now into February, and the the truth is, Laura. I am not making much progress. So I just wanna put that on the table because even as we're talking about this, you and I were laying some groundwork and I remember thinking, ha ha, ho ho, what fun. This is gonna be great, it's gonna help me personally. So this is just a shout out to everyone else who's going, I don't wanna assess, I haven't started yet, to say solidarity, that's okay, let's still get all the pieces on the table because we're gonna do this. Listen, at some point, you're going to have
1: something to assess. Let's (laughs) let it at that. That's right. (laughs) And I have received the not so subtle performance feedback that I need to be gentle in the assessing portion (laughs) of the program here. I get it. I know what you're doing. I know what is happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we've established in the other episodes here, we all know that I am not the dreamer of the two of us, but you say words like assessment and planning and project and I get all wound up so let's start right with the fact that we need to do some distinguishing because the Mm -hmm. kind of assessing and planning and checking the box stuff that really gets my motor going is not the same as when we start to talk about assessing progress for a dream because we have to continue to be honest with ourselves about the reality that dreams are malleable i use that Mm -hmm. word instead of fluid are you proud of me for that like i am i love it for everyone's benefit dreams are malleable in a way that maybe a project end game is not Mm -hmm. there's a level of flexibility and optionality in the when and the where and the how and the why right like Mm -hmm. this is a completely different type of assessment than if we are saying we have a project to spend this much money to implement this piece of equipment and have it up and running by this date we Mm -hmm. are in a completely different realm here so we need to all recognize that or else what we're about to do will make no sense. Or we could accuse ourselves of being too soft in our assessment because in comparison, assessing progress against a dream
0: can look a little bit soft because there's still
1: creative open edge to it
0: mm-hmm exactly and that's where we we want to strike that balance but we have to recognize there's a difference and so I'm gonna go immediately to our first this is one of those differences and it does in some ways directly address what I just shared which is the fact that right away I put myself on a timeline of going oh my goodness well we're two months into the new year and what do I have to show and I I think one of the differences between how we're going to assess a dream and how we're going to assess a more typical project is we're far less interested in the timeline than the outcomes. And in part, that's simply because most dreams are, like we've talked about, outside of the realm of our day to day. A lot of times they are related to the side hustle or the eventuality or the thing, the big things we want to do next, and they're not the things that are, you know have some immediate priority and have a timeline that's going to be more set in stone. But I think naming that is helpful because it, in part gives us a softer sense on the timeline side, but doesn't let us off the hook because then it asks the question, if the timeline's less important, then what should we be looking at? And Laura and I are gonna suggest that the piece we should be looking at more than the timeline is the outcome. Are we making progress? Are we getting more clarity? Even if we're not in the execution stage, are we getting more clarity about where we're trying to go what we're trying to create let's assess that not so much how quickly are we getting there
1: so this whole this is where i get so uncomfortable dear listener (laughs) i am sweating at this point in time as jen says that out loud and i'm going to need to talk to jesus about it later today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it really is hard to grapple with this whole concept of this is about aspiration. This is about are we, are we honing in on where we're going and are we making progress towards the dream, even if it's not on this specific timeline, like you said, which just makes me so uncomfortable. But the point is, I'm going to submit for consideration that this is about are you progressing to the point where the timeline would apply, and mm, that to me is a litmus is. test that I yeah. want to put out there for our listeners, right? Are you are you getting to the point where you can start talking dream becomes reality and therefore here's the timeline and the plan? Mm-hmm. That's what progress is going to look like at this point in time. Is it honing in? Is it getting to the point where I know what kinds of actions I could start to take And I think it's important to say that while there may not be a timeline for formal progress in, let's just say the, you know, immediate to 18 month timeframe, you do need to put a, I'm going to like a dream backstop in place that says, I'm also not going to allow this to be something I'm just talking about three years from now. So Mm -hmm. let's acknowledge that in 2022, I said, I have a dream to write a book hammer on nail. Sorry, Jen. I have a dream (laughs) to write a book and it's not going to be okay if I get to 2025 and I go, Hey, that dream is really cool. What am I going to do to get to the point where within some reasonable amount of time, an action plan is starting to develop and I can move this from dream to a reality. Is that Mm -hmm. making sense? Because I do think that's where the tough love and the firmness comes in. You cannot continue yourself. It's okay to say there's no firm timeline because this is aspirational. It's not okay to say, um, we'll regroup in 10 years. You need to hold yourself accountable to getting this thing moved to reality in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yes. And I think that's really fair. And I'll offer an illustration. So five years ago, our, church had a website that we created, and it was called Dream East Edisto. DreamEastEdisto.com. And the whole thought behind it was that this new area of our community, this massive 80,000 acre realm where nothing existed, was about to be an area in the coming years where a lot of things existed. Now... Five years later, both of my children go to schools that are located in this East Adderstow realm. And for our church, what that has meant underlying it as we exist in the community is that we are currently now in website creation for our actual project because we're getting ready to to put a shovel in the ground. There are so many timelines that I'm looking at every day. Five years ago, there were not timelines. There was a dream. There was a community that was out there. We were focusing on these big picture aspirations of what was it gonna be like for everybody that was eventually gonna live, work, play, school, etc. And now it's okay. And now this dream is in front of us. Now we can see it. And now there's a timeline. Does that help, Laura? Do you feel better that I'm even creating a timeline at this point in the journey?
1: I'm loving it. I think it's a really good way to think about it. And the thing that I want to also draw from, we could take that example that you just offered us or let, or we could even take, we talked about Disney last week, a little bit, which similar in that there's a real estate based dream, right? Mm -hmm. Part of what happened in each of those stories is an action was taken to hold somebody accountable to some level of the dream. Somebody's purchased, and zoned that land. So Mm -hmm. maybe another example of that would be, I'm not ready to start my business today. But let's go ahead and buy a domain name and get the LLC set up. Mm -hmm. Because that holds some level of accountability that you put something out there. And even if it's $250 to start the LLC, and I'm making things up, but you know, it's a modest financial investment, it still holds some level of putting a stake in reality that I'm headed there. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just a gray nothing out there in the ether. If it's the, I use like your, your vision for building a church, you commissioned architectural drawings, Mm -hmm. you purchased the land, even though you weren't ready to put a shovel in the land for quite a while, right? Yeah. These, there are things that happen to increase your commitment level To achieving the dream? And those are the kinds of things that you want to think about when you're thinking accountability. What have I done to refine the dream? And what have I done to increase my commitment level to achieving the dream?
0: Yes. Okay. Time out. Everybody write that down. I'm writing that down because what you just said there is huge. I love that. That's something I can grab onto. Hopefully that's something everybody else is grabbing onto right now. What is the one thing I can do next? Gosh, Laura, this feels like breakthrough. What is the one thing I can do next that maybe doesn't clarify everything or put it on the timeline or on the map yet, but is there one thing you can do for your dream today that increases the commitment level? That's okay. Wow. I'm done. Good talk, Laura. Good talk. Good talk. Okay. <laughs> Don't actually go away, listeners. We're not done. So many more things to spew it's true we are still we still have some more thoughts funny that funny that, that we funny have more that. thoughts.
1: <laughs> there's always more to say and to blab and to blab people ask me all the time like this podcast was a dream for jen and i and one of the things we did was we created we put together and i remember the day where we actually set up the google drive like set mm-hmm. up the shared folders and named it we you named it and that's another mm-hmm. thing right name the dream name yeah. the dream that is something tangible that made it real and these are the accountability things but people say all the time you know like how did you get from point a to point b we named it Mm -hmm. created a shared drive that indicated a level of commitment that that thing was going to get populated some way shape or form or it was going to be a really embarrassing thing that showed up on my screen year after year that oh remember we talked about this and didn't follow through Mm -hmm. that's That's important. So you, you know, so we have a lot more to say guys that we have notes on in this Google drive. So (laughs) hang in there with us, by the way, but I like this. So I think a couple things, you know, Jen, and I love that you love that. um, And that does really resonate. I think for a lot of people, how do we increase the commitment level at the Mm -hmm. same time, part of the assessment process for a dream that I want to make sure we cover before we close out this opening section of today's episode is also, making sure that you are leaving space in this assessment process for adjustment. Yeah. One of the ways that we really need to distinguish dream from active project is I'm moving forward. And I'm adjusting, whether that adjustment is to the economic situation, how it's unfolding, um, how the supply chain is developing in the area you're getting into, your personal life circumstance. You know, whoops, I had a third kid. Know anybody that ever did that, right? (laughs) Things change. How do you adjust appropriately? And in this realm of dreaming, this isn't optional, it's necessary that you take the time to make adjustments. And part of the way you need to be assessing yourself is, have I recalibrated this dream to today's reality?
0: Yeah. And I think we've got ready illustrations for that. I know one you've even offered to me before is that, you know, I think it was the Detroit airport that you told me, Laura, was in the middle of construction when 9-11 happened. And honestly, as crazy as that was, it meant that they could adjust as they went to go air air flight and reality it is a changing reality that we have to accommodate now and if i fast forward again to this project i'm in the middle of five years ago what we were dreaming about and a structure you were going to need to gather mass groups of people (laughs) has changed in light of the last two years and so the dream the idea the concept of creating spaces for people to belong and gather hasn't changed but so many of the structures and realities have you know there is now a studio being drawn into that space for everything additional that we need to create online so again just two illustrations to highlight the fact that when you're assessing a dream you're you're doing this ongoing what has changed in the world around this dream that we need to recognize as we're naming it and moving forward
1: i like it so jen we are being flexible i just i want to stop and say notice all the flexibility that's coming out here (laughs) um and i'm still uncomfortable so i'm going to hit pause so i can go put on more deodorant because this is making me all kinds of nervous and then let's come back with some real talk in a minute Welcome to Real Talk. And in the spirit of talking assessment today, let's take a little time and talk about reviews, evaluations and employee assessments, because for many people, it's that magical time of year. And Jen, here's the question I'm going to ask you today to react to. Mm -hmm. Is it still valid to perform annual reviews? Mm.
0: Your staff is listening. Answer wisely. They are. And listen, I'm glad they are. And they would have to back me up on this. And with excitement would tell you, this was the first year we did not do them. And Ooh. so I'm, I'm saying that. I'm owning that. So in that spirit, I'm going, we did fully go into the direction of these can be dropped from our system However, am I all the way to a place of they have no validity or no place ever? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I do think you need some sort of consistent something in place that says this is going to happen. because I will say conversely, my husband just finished in January doing his evaluation and assessment that he needed to do for his um, office administrator. And that's an important part of their system and a way that they work. And so I think they have a space, but I'll tell you this. Here's why we dropped ours completely is, A, we are a small organization, and so consistency is a little easier to acquire without some of that structure. But we it's because we've replaced it with the monthly structure. Um, not only do we do our monthly one-on-ones, but those one-on-ones are distinct and separate from our other meetings and conversations about things that we're doing so that we are consistently evaluating consistently assessing consistently asking um the 180 questions of not only what do you have but what do you need from me i like that
1: and the just the consistency and the ongoing nature of it that manifested for me a little bit differently in a meeting the other week so most folks know, in contrast to your small organization, I work in a large global organization. So there are things like these assessment processes that we we do and are part of that kind of corporate structure. And I'm not here to evaluate whether or not they should be or not, even though I asked you the question, um, because there is some validity in a large organization. You need to yeah. make sure that certain yeah. documentation's kept, that people are not lost in the shuffle of a large organization, right? The transparency mm-hmm. levels are different, right? Having Mm -hmm. said that, I had one of those moments, and they happen for a lot of folks, but I had, the way I like to run the process is I do weekly one-on-ones with all my folks. It's critical. You've got to give people your dedicated attention at least once a week to make sure they're being heard. I believe in that very firmly. I set up completely separate meetings for annual performance reviews to go through the goals, talk about it. One of them, I get on with one of my folks, and we start to do it, and he's like, didn't we just talk about all this in, earlier today? Cause we had ironically had a one-on-one and some other stuff. And we actually had a really fun conversation about the reality that there was 100% nothing unique, different, new, or interesting that we needed to discuss in his performance review. And we decided that meant we had an awesome year together. Like we totally gave ourselves an A plus that that meeting had no validity for us because, We were talking about things. So I think going to the same point as you in a small organization, we were covering what matters most. We were making on the fly. We weren't saying, oh, it's been a year. Did I do X? Mm -hmm. In many cases, we had already scratched out no longer valid. Here's the adjustment to this goal or this is done. Let's add this. Um, it, It was almost unnecessary other than the quite literal paperwork portion. Let's make sure we document and sign it off. Yeah, And we decided to give ourselves gold stars for that and put it in our own performance appraisals that we were so good the appraisal wasn't necessary. (laughs) Because that's what you're supposed to
0: do, right? (laughs) It's awesome. Gold stars for everybody on not even needing the assessment or the stars. I love it. So I think
1: the moral of the story and the real talk here is whether you do them formally or not. Make sure you're taking time to assess and take pride in being so good at the assessment that the actual formality of it is
0: unnecessary
1: and boring. That's Mm. real talk.
0: Okay, Laura, in this second segment, we want to jump back into the conversation about what does it look like to assess a dream and how is that different from assessing a normal project? So we talked about timeline and aspirations and outcomes and how those things play in. This segment, we want to key in on a very specific thing that is different about assessing a dream, and it's the reality that it is always something you're passionate about. And what does it look like to assess something when there is a high level? And this doesn't mean you're not passionate about other things. You might be. But a dream, we're talking about a high level of passion. It is personal. Right. So if you're thinking about you've got mail and Meg Ryan and her bookshop and, you know, it's always personal, then how do you assess something in that realm? Oh, please tell me the first answer is use more data. I love how much this is pressing against all of your mechanisms all right let's assume for a minute that data is involved but how does data help us to regulate our passion laura okay
1: jen (laughs) you know what though (laughs) we're joking with each other but i think that first part of it is you have to come in recognizing your bias towards emotional involvement here Mm -hmm. and And therefore finding ways once you own it to negate some of that bias. And maybe, da- maybe data is the wet blanket you need. I don't know. You know, yeah. for me, that might actually increase the passion, right? That might be that maybe you say, hey, we need to add some data to this to draw us down, get us out of the clouds a little bit. How are we really doing? A lot of times in dreams, though, data may not necessarily be available. Maybe market data could be to give you some like realistic, are we still aiming for the right thing? But mm-hmm. I do think what are the things you're putting into use to remove biases so right out of the gate i'm going to say here's one of those places where you have to say for example write some things down to me one of the traps of a dream is everything stays in the ether unwritten kind Mm -hmm. of conceptual spoken (laughs) write some things down so that you have to look in black and white here's what i was thinking what played out and you could still assess in that black and white writing, hey, wait a minute, it's okay. But the point is, just by virtue of typing or handwriting something, you start to suck a little the emotion out of it. It's so super simple trick that I'm putting in front of you there, but I'm being super serious too. write it down.
0: I think that is good. And I think the way I would approach that is to say, Data is absolutely your friend when it comes to saying, I've got to assess something I'm passionate about. And so as much as I'm giving Laura all kinds of grief, this is where data comes into the realm of saying you're passionate. And so the only way to create enough distance so that you can have an honest assessment, because this is the deal y'all, we are the best salespeople of ourselves on the planet. Like you are perfectly situated in life to manipulate yourself perfectly. Because you know exactly how you think. So you know exactly how to, to move around all of that. And so when it becomes to our passions, we have to have data. I think what Laura's offering and the way I would add to it is to say, you're probably going to need some non-traditional forms of data. Because you're not on the timeline yet, your dream doesn't necessarily fit on the realm of going, yep, am I two weeks behind? Am I a week ahead? You know, so you can look at things that you would maybe use in your data points for another project, but you're gonna have to think outside of that. And so even what is offering in terms of saying, write something down. Did I make anything tangible? Or go back to the question from the first segment today, did I raise a commitment level? And what did that look like in any form? So just trying to find all the ways you can to say, it may be non-traditional, it may not have a numeric value, but is there something tangible that can become data that gives me space outside, you know, to, to assess something that I truly am really passionate about? And Laura, go ahead. Oh, I...
1: You keep rolling, girl. Your passion is awesome for the topic.
0: (laughs) Well, and where I was going to go directly then from that is this idea that it's what you're trying to do then by having data involved is you are trying to remove some of the bias that, again, you know, you're just prone to with passion. Now, part of that is good. Part of it is why it is your dream. Part of it is why you are the perfect person Right? If you had the dream, then you are the ideal person to get it rolling. But you have to own what that looks like for you, which may mean owning your blinders. Um, Because you can't just decide to not be passionate and to not be biased and to not um, have all kinds of factors at play. And we've talked a lot, so we're not going to talk in this space about what it looks like to use your team here. But again, we did talk to you about building your dream team. See what I did there? The dream Uh, team. I love it. Um, But you need to use that team to help you maybe think of the data and secondary to get enough distance from your bias to have an honest assessment.
1: I like it very much. So now I wanna go to another thing. So that was kind of the first framing of bias removal, which is get something written down to at least remove a little bit of passion. The next thing I'm gonna call embrace the wet blanket. (laughs) Go with me on this, okay? Go with me on this. In addition to writing it down, I want you to say it out loud. Okay. To someone, and quite honestly, say it to someone who maybe is so stinking pragmatic you wanna smack them, <laughs> or to someone who is so realistic, you know, or results driven. So, you know, some that person who you kinda wanna shake a little bit maybe isn't a bad choice. Now, it still needs to be somebody who is supportive of your dream. Please do not misinterpret what I'm saying. But who's that practical person in your life that you can say it out loud to And they're going to be able to help you remove some bias, some passion, whatever we need, you know, the way you're thinking about this and think really realistically about how are you progressing. So I call it embrace the wet blanket because it's not gonna feel the best, right? Like it could feel like a little bit of a downer. You're intentionally selecting somebody who's gonna bring, you, bring your dream to earth a little bit with you. But I think it's really important. We talked about having dreamers in the room with you as you plan your dream and reach towards your dream, folks that help you stay creative and inspired and moving forward and adjusting. <laughs> you also need to make sure, and a PS, please do not say, hey, you're a real wet blanket. Can you help me with this? Not recommended. <laughs> <laughs> so when you are doing Operation Embrace the Wet Blanket, keep it to yourself. Um, but make sure you're talking to somebody who in the back of your mind, you know, is going to be realistic with you and help you remove some of that passion just enough that you can be honest about how you're progressing.
0: Mm hmm. I think that's really good. And then the other piece I would offer, though, to this conversation is that with obviously the passion comes a little bit of, you know, the bias and it's it's hard to see some of the things and needing that, needing that person to bring reality into the picture. But the other thing that happens with something you're really passionate about when you go to assessing is there's... There's also a sense where you feel the devastation strongly. In other words, when your outcomes aren't what you want yet, you can very quickly move into a place of failure or giving up or backing up because your passion level is so high. And so then when it doesn't work, it's not like you just missed a mark and you'll try again next time. It's this thing that you really believe needs to happen and it didn't. And so you not only need the person who's bringing reality in in the sense of helping you honestly see where you are, but you need the person who can help remind you that you've gotta be more flexible with your outcomes. You have to have a little room for the fact that it didn't all work right away. Doesn't mean you should stop. Doesn't mean you should give up. Doesn't mean you should wallow in discouragement you've got to keep going, even if it means a more flexible outcome and a more flexible matrix.
1: I feel like it's probably been at least three episodes since we used the word grace, which is one of our <laughs> keywords, and you just danced all around it for for a little bit. So let's, yeah. i you do need someone who reminds you to exercise grace in this level of assessment, because part of passion is the extremes, right? Mm-hmm. Part of passion is living in extremes. And what I did very quickly was say, let's manage the the high extreme the i'm Mm -hmm. living on a high everything's great my head's in the clouds extreme right Mm -hmm. and i love that you're driving us towards also manage managing the extreme of oh my gosh step one didn't work the whole thing's a failure it's over pack it up it's done right we did not have 300 listeners on our podcast the first day we put it out there right Mm -hmm. that's not how the world works it doesn't mean that we never recorded episode two three four, soon to be episode 100, right? You have to also have those people that say, keep going, keep going, keep going. P.S., Circling back, there's a business bull honky word everybody loves, (laughs) going back to the whole write it down, part of the beauty of writing it down is that you also have a log of the things that did go well to counterbalance Mm -hmm. looking at the things that didn't go well. You have achieved things, right? I did publish my first episode. I did write a chapter. I did outline Mm -hmm. a book. I did X, Y, Z, right? Those things are so important to have. and to be realistic about
0: yeah okay well this is good hopefully we've given some people things to grab on in terms of for a lot of people who listen i know we do assessments on very practical levels and so you and i were trying to stretch everybody a little bit and going assessing yep still super important but it does look different and so we're going to take this conversation to memory lane <music> Laura, today on Memory Lane, we want to fully embrace the assessment level that came into our lives and now does still with our children in the form of the report card. Oh,
1: the good old report card. You know, th- my kids' report cards don't get mailed home or sent home anymore. It's become a very anticlimactic activity <laughs> in life. And I really <laughs> would like to just take a moment on Memory Lane today to mini rant let's bring back the my mom had to sign my hard copy report card of years gone by
0: yeah and listen I will say I do still have to sign a hard copy for my children and they're younger than yours however I will say it's still anticlimactic because our we use PowerSchool, the app I'm sure others do as well and so I can go in at any point and see what their grades are so you're right like the semester ends and I look at their grades on the app and so by the time a sheet comes home a week later it's yeah it is it's kind of like oh Yeah, great. This is a great
1: point. Okay, put a pin in that. For those that are wondering, we're going to start a weekly ramp podcast any day now. Um, It's going to be my crowning achievement in life. I have a dream about that. But report cards. Okay. Memory Lane report cards. Let's just have a moment because... Jen, I immediately go to many, many, many years ago when we were the (laughs) age that your kids now are, and at Grandma Brown's house in her dining room, there was a three-drawered dining buffet cabinet. There were three drawers in the middle of it, and the bottom drawer we loved to get into when we visited their house on Derry Street in Harrisburg, PA, because it had old pictures and dad's old report cards. (laughs) As well as Aunt Gloria's, if she's listening. Yours were there too, sister. Yep. And we loved getting in that drawer. And a particular delight was knowing that dad was not a straight A student and in fact knowing that he had some red marks on his (laughs) academic career and some comments on report cards that we could use as ammo whenever we were having some difficult turns in life. I mean truly this is one of my greatest childhood things is the fun that we had In particular, I recall a time there was a C on a report card. I forget which grade it was but there was one report card in particular. I'm pretty sure that thing was worn to a non-existent <laughs> piece of paper from the number of times I pulled it out of the drawer
0: to remind dad that he got see once. Yeah and here's what I remember about it too not to go to too serious a place with this but it became a really great learning moment for us going forward because you and I always have been dreamers and we also have always set high expectations and you know and been hard on ourselves and we didn't reach those things and part of what made it fun to find these old report cards for our dad is that dad not only had an undergraduate degree from a great college he had a master's degree from Princeton and as a kid we were watching him finish his doctorate and so then to go back and find these report cards like our dad was just one of the most brilliant people we knew and watched and we saw like all that he had to offer and that he what he was, and then you could go back and he'd be like, Oh yeah, I remember when I got that C. And <laughs> it was just some really good perspective on sometimes we overvalue things, um, and you know, conversely, you can undervalue things. But it was really kind of fun to see those grades for dad.
1: It's a great memory lane moment. I will note at this time that I don't remember ever seeing any of mom's report cards, but my sense <laughs> is that they were so beautifully. <laughs> done and were glowing report cards much like those that you brought home over the years. Um, So it probably wouldn't have yielded the same hilarious memories. But it's fun nonetheless. And I'm inspired to make sure that the file that mom and dad handed me a couple of years ago, that I know exactly where it is because I'm a decluttering nut. I have a file in my front hall important papers closet with all of my report cards. And I think I'm going to torture my children and make them look at them soon.
0: I love it. And that will be something that they they can analyze later in life on their own memory lane. But I definitely think you should go with that. That's today on Memory Lane.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sisters of Industry. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and inspired you to share our podcast with someone else.